Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Welcome, everybody, to another fun-filled episode of Color Me Dead. Yeah. Episode (laughs) 107, The Stories You May Not Have Known. These are LGBTQ crimes. I had to think about that while typing it in and make sure I got all the right. Well, LGBTQ. they've... LGBTQ. To our LGBTQ and EIO friends, you guys keep adding letters. And we're trying to stay up with the times, but we forget. I know. I, I don't know which ones they are. And then I have to think it through. If I think it through, like, with the words, then I, then I can do it. Right. But. Well, and I, <clears throat> one of my favorite jokes was actually told to me by one of our Libesian friends. And I was like, okay, explain it to me like I'm five. I was like, what are, what is the acronym? Like how, cause I know LGBT. And I was like, what are the other letters? And she's like, really all you need to know, all you really need to know is LGBTQ. I'm like, okay. She goes, after that, it's like, you know, when people are like, oh, your vowels, you know, I know A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. And she's like, so it's LGBTQ and sometimes Y. And I started laughing and for fuck forever, that's how it stuck in my head. But if you guys want to check us out on social media, you can find us at Color Me Dead Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, Color Me Dead Podcast and the Color Me Dead Podcast Facebook group. We are not responsible for what you see here and post there. It is a fucking free-for-all in that bitch. Instagram, you can follow us at Color Me Dead Podcast or Color Me Dead Angel. Or Gory underscore Nikki. And if you want to send us mail, you can send it to Color Me Dead Podcast, P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. Please refrain from any severed body parts. Actually, we don't care. Just sign your name. Yeah, I, fuck I it. I know who it's from. Like, you can pull some seven and, like, use fingerprints from a severed hand. Yeah, Whatever. I just, I yeah. Care. I don't I, care anymore. Nope. So, that'll be Our fun. mailbox is pretty fucking boring, so let's make that interesting. Um, We pre-apologize if there's any popping in this episode. My microphone, I think, is dying. It needs some lovies. I will order a new one before. Well, I don't know how fast it will get here, but I'll um, order we'll, a new one. We'll let you know. Yeah, you'll know when it stops popping. <laughs> when it don't pop it no more, you'll be like, oh, they got a microphone. <laughs> no more popping. Uh, if you guys want to get some merch, go to colormedeadpod.threadless.com. And you'll find all kinds of new designs. There's all sorts of things. There's clothing, there's mm-hmm. bags, there's shower curtains, there's blankets, you guys name it. You can get it. And it's so amazing. And they come really, really fast, too. Like, considering that they're making them... Like, they're printing and then shipping. It's quite quick. Yeah. Uh, Also, thank you to our Patreon examinator, Sharon Hoffman. And Melissa Morgan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so very much. If you guys want to donate to our Patreon, please do so. You can do that at Patreon or go to ageofradio.org slash... Calling me dead. And it will give you a big button that says donate to our Patreon. And you can donate there. You can donate there. Mm-hmm. And you get ad-free episodes if you donate to Patreon on every level. So if you don't want to hear our ads, you can donate a dollar and you don't hear them anymore. Fuck. And you might get it a little <laughs> bit early, too. Because as soon as I finish editing, I post it up on Patreon. Uh, so this is Pride Month. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. 
It's all rainbowy. I know. I love it. It's all colorful. So beautiful. So beautiful. So happy pride to all of our LGBTQ listeners and supporters. And we wish you a fun-filled month of activity celebrations where you are safe, loved, and accepted and respected just the way you is. Yes. Yeah. Just the way you just are. Just the way you are. And Which- if somebody, somebody doesn't love and accept you and appreciate you and respect you just the way you are tell them the fuck off cut those bitches right the fuck out cut snip wasn't it dave couillet that was like cut it out yeah yeah fuck them anyway get them the fuck out you be you boo boo you do you Mm -hmm. so these are some of the lgbtq crimes that we were going to do and it's, it's not in light of, it's more along the lines of what people tend to forget yeah. about being gay, trans, bi, queer, or any of those terms that you, that one prefers about themselves, is that this has been a reason to crucify, discriminate, and fucking kill people for not just decades, but like you guys, being heterosexual has never been a crime. No. Ever. Anywhere. Mm-mm. There are still places in the United States of America you can be fucking fired from your job for being gay. Mm-hmm. So happy pride to everybody. And I hope that none of you ever suffer at the hands of a, another bigoted piece of shit. And if you are, tell us. And we'll hire somebody. I feel like I know some people that know some people. That know some people that can take care of this shit and we'll be just <clears throat> fine. We'll never be traced. Just saying. And for those who say, why is there a month to celebrate them? Let me tell you. Because of all this bullshit that they've had to go through just to be. I make jokes all the time. And my really close friends that know me, who are LGBTQYEIO, they know that I'm kidding. Right. And they understand the, like, when I'm like, y'all get a whole month? Like, damn, spoiled? Meh. Just know, for those of you online that don't know me very well, that is all funnies. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah, and, yep. We so, have lots of peoples in our life that it, fall into yeah, this. Just so, just so you guys are fully aware, like, legitimately, 87% of my friends are <laughs> not heterosexual. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so when they're like, oh, my God, I don't know if you're kidding or not. Well, back the fuck up, because I know that I'm kidding. And all my kidding. friends know that I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. So if I make a joke, just laugh. First thing I said to my Unless I brother. say something that is like legitimately fucking offensive that like I have one friend who is really uncomfortable with the word fag mm-hmm. and he hates that. And so I do not ever use that word in any fashion around him because I know that is legitimately offensive to him. Yeah. And he really, really gets upset when other people use that, even if it's not meant in a derogatory fashion. If it is used in his general vicinity, it is upsetting to him and therefore it's upsetting to me. Now I have friends like Josh. Where you can say that where all you day can long. pretty much say anything Whatever. to Josh. And like the first he'll be the first person to use that word. Yeah. And so for us it's funny in that company. Right. So, yeah. With when my little brother came out of the closet, he was upset. He like he thought I was going to be upset and I was like, "Dude, you're my brother. I don't give a fuck what you choose as far as that goes. You're always going to be my little brother." However, I will never stop making gay jokes, so we're going to have to meet in the middle here. <laughs> and he's like, "I'm not going to stop making gay jokes either." I'm like, you're like "Perfect." Now they're even 
funnier because they apply. Yeah. Um, I think one of the funniest things I've ever heard ever was one of my homosexual friends when I lived down in, in uh, Texas. Um, we actually went partying in a district called Montrose. And, and, and Montrose is actually mentioned in one of these stories. Anyway, I love the Montrose district. There's a Greek food place down that I'm really, really fond of called Nico Nikos. Well, me and my homosexual, that's... <laughs> Homosexual. Homosexual. Was he homosexual. Homosexual. Um, anyway, he comes from a, a Latino family, and when he came out of said closet, and that was like one of the first things is homosexual. That's how that's how his grandma said homosexual. Oh. It was yeah, and it took her a minute, but she she fell in line with being accepting or being accepting of him okay. being gay but anyway we went to nico nico's and while we were down there um there was somebody there that was very loud and very i guess for a lack of better words flamboyant mm-hmm. and it was somebody that my friend knew and they came sashaying over and it like for all intents and purposes there should have been like confetti and glitter like shooting out from behind this person that's how like happy <laughs> they were to be alive and he came and plopped down next to us and he reached over and like grabbed one of my fries. And he goes, I hope you don't mind that faggot fries. And I was like, I don't care if you're a homo or not, dude. You ate don't one of my french my fries. Like, fries. I don't know if you know this, but I am fat and I will chew your finger off to get my french fry back. And my friend looked at him and he was like, do you have to be so rude? Put her fry back. <laughs> but no, you touched it with your dirty fingers. You go now eat it. Go. Just but go, but the, don't for the for future. Uh, but the future, don't touch my fries. But uh, no, they like went off and they both used the word fag rather loud. And I was like, yo, because like I was like, holy <laughs> shit, you know. And I'm I'm looking at I'm like, fuck, guys. And they're like, are you serious? Are you offended for us for using that like in the gay district? Like I will say that if I feel like it. And I'm like, I kind of feel like I might get in trouble for it. And they were like, <laughs> his buddy is pulls out a napkin from Nico Nico's and was like, I give Angel permission and like wrote me a permission <laughs> slip. I started laughing. I was like, like Jesus. showing it. Yeah, look, 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 I have permission for this time today. I get to use this word. But I just started laughing because I was like, did you really just write me a permission slip? And he was like, if it makes you fucking feel better. And I was like, I write, I it guess. It kind of does. I, there are some situations that make me highly uncomfortable because I don't know how to react. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble or not. Uh-huh. So it's important that we do this episode. And it just so happens to be that it's Pride Month. And I feel like if we're ever going to put a spotlight on something, now should be the time. And I feel like if there's ever a time and you are in a place and you see a situation where a member of the LGBTQ community is catching a rash of shit in a derogatory way for being a member of that community, y'all need to stand up for them and smack a motherfucker in the face and be like, sit the fuck down. Rule number one, don't. I mean, that, that's pretty fuck dude don't be a prick i mean that it sounds simple enough let people I mean, be they, what they're gonna be i'm fuck. just saying if somebody is getting a rash of shit for being an asshole like then you just get i mean if you're being an asshole you're being an asshole if you're getting a rash of shit for being a lesbian a gay bisexual trans or queer individual and somebody sees it you need to stand up for that person and be like you yeah. suck as a human being leave my people alone 
when That's you kept all. saying now is the time, all I could think of, now is the time. This is the place. And then you said this is the place. I'm like, I can't uh, fuck it. I'm going to the craft right now. <laughs> I, I was re- you gotta yep. keep going. Reel me back in. <laughs> so listen, Nancy. Come <laughs> back back to me. Okay. I invoke thee. Oh fuck, here we go. <laughs> Sorry. It started. Jesus. Jesus. Could I Fiergas? Oh, that was bad. That was a bad Fergus. <laughs> Fiergas. There we go. All right. You weren't making the face right the first uh, time. There are fucking faces that come with that <laughs> accent. And I'm sure that I look like my face screws up tighter than a cat's asshole when I say Fiergas. <laughs> we're going to have to get a video. And we bastard. I think we're going to need to get a camera. Um, to video faces. Can we hold it up here though so that you don't see my fucking saggy double no. chin? I look like a baby pelican. I should be able to store things in there. And then. We talk about Houston. We were literally just talking about Houston. On July 4th, 1991, a 27-year-old Houston banker was murdered. And his two friends were injured by a group of 10 young men who attacked them with nail-studden wooden planks, a knife, and steel-toed boots. That's horrifying. Fuck you guys for doing that. Yeah. Outside, so they attacked them outside Heaven, which is a gay bar in the Montrose dis- district. It's like heavily lgbtq mm-hmm. uh paul broussard died several hours after the attack and his death led to a flurry of gay protests in front of the home of the mayor kathy whitner at 2 a.m in the affluent i hate that fucking word because it reminds really me of the too. affluent kid yep <clears throat> anyway affluent woodlands home um this is where queer nation protested near the homes of many of the 10 attackers, and then later throughout the Montrose neighborhood. The latter was the largest LGBTQ civil disobedience action in the, in the city's history. At the time, David Fowler, a founder of the local Queer Nation chapter, articulated what many felt. This is Houston Stonewall. People have finally said that we're fed up, we've had enough, and we're not going to be found We're fed up, we've had enough, and we're not going to take it anymore. At the time, city council candidate Anise Parker was as surprised as others that the LGBTQ protesters took to the streets in such volume. She told the advocate, Houston is not a city that supports protest well. Within days of Broussard's murder, all 15 members of Houston City Council, including the ones who opposed gay right ordinances previously, voted for a resolution asking then-Governor Ann Richards to put a hate crime bill on the legislature's agenda. All 10 men were convicted of the killing. Only one remains in prison today, John Boyce, sentenced 45 years in 1992. The coroner had determined the stabbing, to which Boyce admitted to, was ultimately what had killed Broussard. Boyce has been up for parole several times and has been denied each time. Broussard's murder led to a longtime push for hate crime protections, which passed in Texas a decade after his death, but to this day still don't cover transgender individuals. In an area where Broussard was killed... The Montrose Remembrance Garden was dedicated last year to the victims of anti-LGBT crimes in that area as a means to foster peace and tolerance. According to the Dallas Voice, there have been 35 people killed in the neighborhood since a pastor's gay teenage son was killed in 1979, including Aaron Shearhorn, who was stabbed December 2010, escaped his attacker, sought refuge in a local gay bar, and was turned away only to be found again by his attacker, who then killed him. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. I don't like it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I I guess maybe I should be a little bit more um, consistuous of yes. my jokes sometimes. Because I realize that the crime of being gay is fucking far-reaching, dude. Mm-hmm. So... Just know that if I make silly jokes, I really am teasing. And I would fucking fight to the death for you. I also had to sidestep Anise. Because all I could think of was Anise Cavani. <laughs> Fuck. I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember which one of us said Cavani, but I think it was me. <laughs> Instead of Cavity. 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 Anise Cavani. Except for the, the fucked up shit is somebody would name. Cavani? That's cute. Yay, Cavani. Don't give them ideas. Utah fuck. folks, stand down. down. Stand the fuck down. Stand down. This is not an idea. This is not okay. Don't do it. Don't don't do it. If you can't find it on those keychain things at the gas station, don't fucking name your kid. No, Dude, and I kind of feel my like name's never on I there. know, but for the longest time, Angela was available, but Angel never was. And now it is because Angel, like, for some fucking reason, about 1995-ish, Angel was like the name to name your child mm-hmm. if you were like mediocre white trash and for whatever purpose there was like a mild outbreak and now and, i and, and the angels kind of <laughs> don't fucking say it uh <laughs> it was a mild outbreak a lot like herpes t <laughs> anyway uh the point being you can now find my name on little keychains hooray you for me. can't find mine because mine my actual name is a nickname but mine isn't. Mine's a full name. Because most people named Nikki or Nicole, but I am not. Sorry. Sorry about that. The next story is about the Hamptons Road Kill. Hampton. Oh yeah. my god. Hi, I just want you guys to know it's 8 o'clock in the morning. I haven't slept. Nikki hasn't been up that long. We both have coffee left over, so fuck you. Yeah, and I didn't sleep hardly at all last night either. Like, I just couldn't go to sleep. So, I'm not very constituous. (laughs) (laughs) Constituous. I said fucking constituous. All right. What? Cool. How about the Hampton Roads Killer? From 1987 to 1996, 12 gay or bisexual men were strangled to death and dumped in an area of Virginia called the Hampton called Hampton Roads. All but one were found nude. Most had been strangled. The other were too decomposed for the cause of death to be determined. Of the victims, all were last seen at gay bars in Portsmouth or Norfolk. I've been, no. Yeah, I've been there. I have been there. I've been there. Yeesh. That's where my brother lived until like in two or three days. Not anymore. By 1997, the local gay community was up in arms over the lack of police attention to the crimes. But, said Shirley Lesser, executive director of Virginians for Justice, the general public was not. This is a quote from her. She says, it's not gay friendly here. There is not a public outcry to solve gay murders. Police resources are dependent on where the public wants those resources to go. How fucked up is that? I don't like it. Slap it. I find that if you slap things, they work better. Even itches. Just. Do you think it works on the herpes? I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like 
when you've got an itch on the tattoo, so you just uh-huh. pat it. I don't know. Do maybe it does. Just tap it in. Just tap, tap, tap it in. <laughs> Give it a little tappy. <laughs> tap, tap, taparoo. Tap, tap, taparoo. Jesus. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with us? Everything. All the things. Yep. On May 6, 1997, police arrested Jackson Elton Manning for the murder of a gay man named Andrew Andre Smith, the most recent of the victims, who had been found strangled by a ligature, ligature and dumped in the Hampton Roads area. DNA evidence showed Manning had sex with Smith and the victim's blood, along with that of another victim, Reginald Joyner was also found in Manning's bed. In 1998, a jury sentenced Manning to life in prison for Smith's murder. Chesapeake Police Chief Richard Justice told reporters that Manning was the killer responsible for all 12 murders. Though Manning was never tried for the other 11 crimes, FBI documents later released to the public showed that the agency firmly believed that the 42-year-old man was Hampton Roads' killer as early as 1996. Though his case caused profilers to rethink traditional victimology as Manning, a black man, had both white and black victims, a rare modus operandi for a serial killer the majority of whom target one racial group. After his arrest, there was no more similar crimes in the area. Weird. (sighs) Funny how that works. After you read these things, you're like, fucking people suck. I don't like you. Here's, you know what? Here is my general rule of thumb. I call it SFW. It's called so fucking what? Now, if somebody doing something negatively impacts you, then yes, you should have a say in what that person's doing. Mm-hmm. If what that person is slash is doing does not negatively impact you, you it doesn't stop you from going to work, taking care of your family, paying your fucking taxes. It does not fucking impact you personally in any way, shape, or fucking form. SFW. So fucking what? Exactly. If if somebody being LGBTQ, wait. You you get you got it. LGBTQ. Sometimes E I E I O N Y. If that person is not negatively impacting your ability to fucking lead a life, so fucking what? Leave them alone. Leave them the fuck alone. Mrs. Kravitz. <sighs> Pay attention to your own shit. That's the lady next door on Bewitched. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's always all up in it. You don't need to be her. Or we could just be um, August from the YouTube. Fucking worry about yourself. Yes. You can <laughs> worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. You drive. Like, motherfuck. Is that person impeding your ability to life, liberty, and the pursuit of fucking whatever? No, probably not. Let me tell you how easy it is to tune out people that don't affect you directly because I do it a little bit too well, but I do it. <laughs> I, I, like I, if, I don't understand how a person just being alive and doing something that you're like, okay, you know what? If that person is doing something that you don't think is okay, then don't do it. You don't do it. You don't do it for you, but don't fuck with them. Worry right. about yourself. Worry about yourself. SFW, motherfucker, so fucking what? Does it prevent you from leading a happy life? No? Then sit the fuck down. Take several seats, bitch. There are so many people out there. If we were all the same and all believed in the same shit, 
It would be so fucking boring. And it is okay to not have the same views on things. Politics being one, people can have different views and still be friends. It's It's, okay. It's true. Me and Michelle King, we're still fucking friends. We have lots of things we disagree on. Politics included. We're still fucking homies. It's okay. It is okay. But that's why we don't get into politics on our page. We're not a political podcast. We're a true crime podcast. Moving on. That was just my my easy... (laughs) Because so many people get so riled up over politics. That's why I hate them so bad. You and me both. But that's what I'm saying. I don't talk about them. I know that everybody doesn't have the same views as me, so I just don't fucking... You know what? Your political views in general don't prevent me from leading a happy, productive life. S.F. W, so fucking what? That's why 99% of people don't even know my political views. Me. I don't talk about it. It's not fucking... Because it doesn't matter. Not fucking pertinent. Yeah, it doesn't matter to anybody else but me. It truly just does not. (laughs) So I don't need to share it. This story is about Gwen Amber Rose, who was an everyday teenager in many ways. A beautiful young woman who liked crop tops, blue jeans, and lived in a small community in Northern California. Dreaming of one day becoming a Hollywood makeup artist. But on October 3rd, 2002, she went to a party bravely wearing a miniskirt for the very first time. And she never came home. Mm. The 17-year-old was transgender. And after Paul Merrill's girlfriend discovered that 17-year-old Gwen was transgender, decided to go and out Gwen at the party where both girls were attending. Four men, Michael Madison. Oh, fuck. Okay, McGidson. Sorry, that looks like it should be Madison. It's not. Michael mm-hmm. William McGidson, Jose Antonio Merrill, Haran Chase Nabors, and Jason... Uh, Jesus, hold on. Cesares beat Gwen, slashed her face, hit her on the head with a shovel and a frying pan, strangled her, hogtied her, wrapped her body in a sheet, and tossed her in the back of a pickup truck. That's fucking horrifying. I don't like it. They drove her to a campground that was about 100 miles away from the Sierra foothills and dumped her body. Her mother didn't know where she was for days, and none of the party goers reported the crime. And the media didn't cover her disappearance until neighbors, who was one of the men who attacked her, um, a 19-year-old kid was traumatized by what happened, led the police to her unmarked graveside. And just to recall for everybody, 2002. 2002. This isn't like the 80s. This is 2002. 2002. Uh, Gwen had allegedly had anal or oral sex with two of the men in the weeks prior to the party. She was a regular friend of Merrill's who had hung out at the house with other kids who drank and played dominoes. The men who killed her were all considered her friends. Jesus. She was certainly not the first trans woman or trans kid to have been murdered, but her killing was shocking by the extreme violent act, violence of the act and by the time and location where it occurred. Mm-hmm. Where it occurred. In Newark, California, part of the Silicon Valley, just 30 miles of San Francisco, her local high school was in the process of rehear- rehearsals for the Laramie Project, a play about anti-gay, the anti-gay, anti-gay murder of Matthew Shepard. In essence, the town of Newark lived through what Laramie did as the local school performed a play about the very same experience. Kathy Renna, the former 
Oh my God, I'm like fucking this up. Okay. In essence, the town of Newark lived through what Laramie did as the local school performed a play about the very same experience, said Kathy Renna, the former news director of the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Gwen's supportive and loving family stood up and demanded justice, says uh, Renna says, with media attention. Good came from evil to me. The most important and moving part of Gwen's story is her mother, Sylvia Guerrero. Her ongoing fight for her child and the historic legal fight to have Gwen's birth certificate changed to female posthumously. Guerrero told the reporters that the tombstone would have read Gwen and that Araujo would be buried in the prettiest dress that she could find. Mm. I know. After the initial mistrial, September 12, 2005, McGidson and Merrill were convicted convicted of second-degree murder, but not convicted of a hate, like, hate crime enhancements, which they fucking should have been. Yeah, they should. Nabors pleaded guilty to, vol- to voluntary manslaughter in exchange for his testimony against the other killers. He got an 11-year sentence in prison. Cazares, who insisted that he wasn't at the party at the time of the killing and said that he only covered up the crime, eventually struck a deal with the prosecutors and got a six-year sentence. The San Francisco LGBTQ Community Center released a statement expressing the disappointment many felt upon hearing that the hate crime charges did not stick. The jury did not see fit to find these men guilty of a hate crime. That hate did not play a role in the murder is fucking unimaginable. Uh, yeah. Um, so, but then I'm just curious, two of those men had sexual relations with Gwen. That week. Right prior, before that. So it was okay then, but it wasn't okay, did they not know? And then suddenly it was fucking evil and bad and dirty and y'all did that shit. Doesn't matter who you did it with, you did it with them. Just saying. This was a transgender youth who was interrogated, brutalized, sexually assaulted, and humiliated before her death based on her transgender status. Transgender musician and activist Shauna Vigaro told the Bay Area Reporter she wanted community pushback after the verdict. The overkill of the actual murder speaks to the fact that this was a hate crime. We have to remember that the freedom we enjoy in being out and expressing our gender comes from the fact that we have been fierce and we have been proud and we have been loud and I don't see that right now. Gwen being transgender was not a provocative act. She was who she was, said Alameda County Assistant District Attorney Chris Lamiero, who who prosecuted the case and had to battle at least one defendant's transgender panic defense. That's a fucking defense? Transgender panic? Panic is a defense. It sounds like it. Okay. Or something. How about if you are that concernicus about who you're doing certain sex acts with, maybe y'all should take a little time to get to know the person that you're being that intimate with. If those are going to be things that you panic about later. What is this you're speaking of? Hey, I'm just saying that if I get into the middle of some shit and the chick or <laughs> and the person I'm fucking happens to be a chick, we doing the shit. You're like, all I'm right. I'm not going to panic about it later. It's a game changer, but all right. Hey, man, it wasn't part of the original plan, but all right. Let's do this. I'm just saying I'm Pants not going to fucking smack somebody with a fucking shovel over it. No, fuck. What the fuck is transgender panic? And how does, where does somebody even, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. 
How the fuck does somebody straight-faced in a tie look another human in the face and be like, he had transgender panic? And be serious about it. And who is like, I I need some um, money for, oh, what is it? Oh, God. Suffering and... Oh, my God. Pain you know and suffering. Pain and suffering because of transgender panic. What the... All right. Hey, I okay, I get it. Like, if you don't want to be with uh, another person of the same sex, physically, whatever, if that freaks you out, okay. But that does not give you the right to bury somebody after you brutalize the fuck out of them. But you should also take five and maybe be a little bit more um, consensuous. Be a little more conscious in your choices of who you're being sexually active with. I'm just saying. Ding, ding, ding. Like you didn't give a shit when it was going on. I don't know, but whatever. Yeah, as soon as you got off, you were cool with it until other people found out that... I think you need to reel your shit in. Just fucking transgender panic. Sorry, small rant, transgender panic. Okay. Uh, However, I would not further ignore the reality that Gwen made some decisions in her relation with defendants that were impossible to defend. I don't think most jurors are going to think that it's okay to engage someone in sexual activity knowing they assume you have one sexual anatomy anatomy, when you don't. Excuse me. I don't think most jurors are going to think it's okay to engage someone in sexual activity knowing they assume you have one sexual anatomy when you don't. Okay, I'll agree with that. Basically saying that if a gentleman engages in sexual activity thinking that you are a female and that you do, in fact, own a vagina and then later find out that that person has a penis, people are going to be like, yeah, that's not fucking cool. Okay, I will say that that would probably be a pretty big game changer for a lot of people. A bit of a shock. Okay. And I, I think that if you're going to engage in sexual activity that is consensual, Perhaps you should let that person know that maybe you don't, in fact, own the organ that they thought you did. Mm -hmm. But if you're having anal and oral sex, what difference does it make if that person... And how the fuck... Sorry, how did you not know that underneath the bottom you were appreciating, there was not... Balls. Dick and balls. There were not pieces of anatomy. Like, you didn't realize that? Yeah, you fucking did. Yeah, okay, you like did. I, I can understand if you were having oral sex and, you know, you didn't realize that person had other anatomy under the miniskirt. Okay? All right. I'll give you that. That does not mean beat that person to death. Mm-mm. Okay. I will, I, will, I will agree on a level that let's be a little bit more conscious of our choices on both sides on both sides that does not mean smack a girl with a frying pan and a shovel and cut her face and then leave her in the motherfucking desert that is not okay and what you guys did was so fucking brutal that one of you tattled later that's how fucking bad it was Somebody that was present for all of that shit knew what the fuck you did was wrong, evil, and fucking putrid on so many levels. They ratted you all out. Because they couldn't handle it anymore. Because they couldn't fucking handle what they saw. Now stop and think about what y'all did to her. Mm-hmm. Fuck you guys. All, all right. of you. Jesus. Okay. All right. The Gwen Araujo Justice for Victims Act, AB... Uh, It's AB1160, was signed into law September 8th, 2006, 
by California Governor, the Governator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. It was the nation's first bill to address the use of panic strategies, meaning defendants can't use societal bias against their victim in order to decrease their own culpability for a crime. Transgender Law Center representative Sylvia Guerrero, in her petition to secure legal recognition of Gwen's name change, although requests for posthumous excuse me, posthumous name changes are rare, attorneys with the center argued that the petition was a valid exercise of the court's jurisdiction. In June of 2004, the same month the jury in Gwen's murder trial was deadlocked, the petition was granted and her name was recognized. Aww. So good for that. I love yeah. that her mom was like, I'm going to bury her in the prettiest dress. Oh, I know. Jesus. Jesus. But let, let's just, time fucking... Be, be conscious of who you're engaging in sexual contact with. You don't get to be panicked later. No, I'm just, you do not get to do the transgender panic. It's not a dance. It's not something that's <laughs> catching on. It's not a. Uh, it's not a. Oh shit! A challenge on the internet. Can we not? Can, can you? <laughs> could you fucking not? Because I just can't. If somebody were to stand in front of me and be like, he had transgender panic. Then maybe he should keep his dick in his pants and until like, he knows somebody. Is that like being able to put somebody in the um, psych ward for being hysterical? He had transgender panic. What the fuck over? No. I don't like Sorry. it. Sorry. Proceed. And what the hell? What the hell? Jesus Christ. Fear gas. You don't get to use the transgender... <laughs> Transgender. transgender. That's how what what it is. Transgender. Now you're transgender. You're consensually transgender. You're consensually transgender because my fucking brain doesn't work past six a.m. I'm sorry. Yeah. Fiergas. And we're slightly trans- past that. Transgender panic. It's not a thing. Mm-mm. Fuck off. How about we talk about the handcuff man? Let's do. For decades, bartenders, hustlers, and gay club goers in Atlanta's. Ponce, Ponce de Leon Corridor. Ponce de Leon. Manzana. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, stop. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. Ponce de Leon Corridor, an area where gay sex trade was common, circulated rumors about a mysterious man who mutilated and murdered young gay bisexual men. There was talk of this urban legend, the Handcuff Man, as locals dubbed him, for years. And many swore that the man would offer men $50 to drink a pint of vodka, sometimes sometimes telling them that he was studying the effects of alcohol. Okay. Hey, I just want to let you know, as an alcoholic, even me, like a pint? Like, here, down this. That will fuck me up. Uh-huh. And I have an iron goddamn constitution when it comes to vodka. Ugh. I, I want to study the effects of how you die after you slam this pint of vodka. Um, sir, no. Well, there was a serial killer in, nice. in Canada at the same time as uh, Picton mm-hmm. that really did that. He would, like, give his victims alcohol poisoning yeah. and just watch them die because he liked it. That, oh, dude, no. Nope. Sorry. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Keep going. Often, the next thing the victim would know, assuming he lived, was that he had been dumped in a deserted area, handcuffed, his genitals set on fire. The attacks began in 1968. Many of the victims were afraid to report the crimes to the police, in part because being gay was still forbidden, and because they were involved in the shadow of economic... Whoa. Involved in shadow economies of street work. They were, in fact, easy targets for the handcuffed man. Over two decades after the attacks began in May 1991, 21-year-old Michael Jordan, not the basketball player was offered $50 to masturbate in a John's car, then made to drink drug-laced vodka. Jordan did not regain consciousness until the next day at Grady Memorial Hospital, where he would stay nearly a month to undergo treatment of severe burns to his thighs, groin, and buttocks. Jordan had been warned by a local bartender to stay away from a John that night. Like many in the area's gay community, Phoenix bartender Bill Adamson knew exactly who the handcuffed man was. Jordan's attack galvanized local lesbian and gay leaders who then urged police to take the stories of the handcuffed man seriously. At one point, getting police captain Ken Bowles to admit that the activist had a point. That the department's sex crimes unit had been slow to respond. A day later, Flax said Boyles was misquoted. Wealthy local attorney Robert Lee Bennett was identified as the handcuffed man, but before police made an arrest in the case, editors at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the city's largest newspaper, agonized over whether to withhold the suspect's name, as was their tradition, or to print the name of public safety. After numerous victims identified Bennett as the attack as the attacker, the editors decided to print his name. A day after they did, police in Tampa, Florida requested Bennett's information. Later they charged him with an attack on Gary Clapp, a Florida man who had been burned so severely that both of his legs had to be amputated. Stop with the burns. Can we not burn people, please? Don't do it. <clears throat> Prosecutors in Georgia and Florida negotiated a plea bargain for Bennett, in which he would plead guilty to the attempted murder of Gary Clapp, as well as two counts of aggravated assault in Georgia, and could serve um, a concurrent 17-year sentence in Florida for all of his crimes. LGBT activists were understandably outraged by the sentence, with Lynn Cothran, chairperson of Queer Nation, telling reporters at the time, quote, it's a sad situation when people can get away with torture, intimidation, and hate. There's obviously a problem with the system. Many hypothesize that Bennett's sexual sadism was a result of his internalized homophobia. He didn't admit to being gay until he was incarcerated, and he died in prison on April Fool's Day in 1998. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I hate that. Mm-hmm. So this one is um, the next one that we're going to talk about. I actually had intended to do in greater detail at a later time. Um, 
but this is about Matthew Shepard. Um, recently, there was a post that one of our listeners made on her personal Facebook, okay? I am friends with many of our listeners. If you friend me, I will friend you back, or I will I will accept in most cases, unless you're a fucking weirdo and you, like, send me a PM that's, like, really strange that I'm not going to accept your friend with cast. Gender. Gender. Mosquitoed. Mosquitoed. Anyway, somebody, she had posted something in regards to why do we celebrate Pride as a month? And the reason we celebrate Pride as a month is for all the heinous shit that happened prior and continues to happen to people. And this is what she had posted was something about Matthew Shepard. And one of the gentlemen happened to jump on there and uh, was like, Matthew Shepard knew his assailants prior, blah, blah, blah. He was a drug addict and people need to quit martyr, putting him in a, in a martyr's position, blah, 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 because he was addicted. He got other people addicted. And while he shouldn't have been killed, I don't feel bad for people that deal drugs. And um, the karma, tra- he got run over by the karma train. That's the, that was the phrase that sent angel into fucking orbit yeah unfortunately nikki knows all too well that if i see something and i fucking go from zero to a hundred there's pretty much no stopping me it's like that drake song zero to a hundred real quick yeah dude that i I cut out some words yeah you can (laughs) you can watch me go into fucking orbit with anger real quick and Unfortunately, this happened on a listener's post, personal post on her personal page. I apologized to her and offered to delete it, to which she said, no, I agree with you. I, yeah, I jumped down homeboy's throat and was like, so what you're saying is that he wasn't killed for being gay because he fucking was. What you're saying is it was all drug related and that somehow you don't give a shit because he dealt drugs to people. He created addicts and that made him less of a human being and that the karma train ran him over. I was like, you can't in the same sentence, in the same fucking breath, you were like, this person shouldn't have been killed, but he was a drug addict and he dealt drugs and he made other addicts. Well, guess what? Somebody sold him drugs and before he was a drug addict or before he dealt drugs somebody did the same shit to him and it doesn't make you any less of a motherfucking person he was still somebody's son he was still somebody's friend he mattered to people and i don't give a shit if he did drugs or not what fucking happened to him was horrifying so when you're like he got run over by the karma train bitch i fucking hope i hope that never happens to you that something happens to somebody in your family and somebody has the goddamn atrocity i don't even i was gonna say the atrocity merds i get merds wakes up has the fucking audacity to be like well karma fucking train ran him over because he did drugs (laughs) no fuck you don't come at me with that shit just because somebody did drugs was an addict whatever it doesn't make them any less of a fucking person it doesn't make what happened to them any less fucking horrible and it doesn't take away from the fact that what happened to him could have been partially drug related it doesn't fucking matter no murder is is not okay (laughs) it's bad unless they raped a small child or raped anyone 
then like, yeah like at, the, at that point i have right, i have it, no right. fucks then, to give then i like, don't feel bad for you but to to like i wish people would realize how fucking stupid they sound when they say shit like he shouldn't have been murdered but the karma train ran him over and i don't have any sympathy for drug dealers yo you need to reel it on in because your fucking idiocy is oozing out of every pore and i'm afraid you might get some on me Hmm. so step the fuck back with that shit off is the direction in which you need Uh. to fuck with that i'm sorry (laughs) where can you get with that the fuck out of here i am i said that to my son because i'm a good mom (laughs) he'll be 12 in a couple days mary and i he said something and we were just fucking around and i was like dude off is the direction and he looked at me i was like in which you need to fuck (laughs) and he laughed and he lost his shit just so you know but don't don't do that shit where you're like oh somebody did drugs so it somehow makes them less of a fucking person don't it not not within earshot of me don't with that shit make an addict less of a human being because i will jump up and down your candy ass that is no shit so this is about matthew shepherd sorry i went off on my little tangent I'm we're back, back now back now this is considered Laramie's great loss, in my opinion. And so much has been written about the brutal murder of Matthew Shepard, who was killed the same year that James Byrd Jr. was murdered in a really nasty anti-black hate crime. Uh, the facts of this case have already been etched in a lot of LGBTQ memories. Matthew Wayne Shepard was 21. He was a student. He was a poli-sci major at the University of Wyoming. On October 6, 1998, Shepard met with Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney at a bar in Laramie, Wyoming. The men offered to drive Shepard home. Instead, they drove him to a desolate rural area where they tortured Shepard, robbed him, and tied him to a fence and left him to die. He was discovered some 18 hours later by a bicyclist who thought that Shepard was a ser- scarecrow. Okay, if I get really oh, upset, and hell. if I, I, I might actually cry. <clears throat> Because this, this shit all went down about the time that, like, some of my friends were trying to come out. Mm-hmm. And this did not make it any easier, considering we live in a very small rural area. So, anyway, uh, the bicyclist thought Shepard was a scarecrow. According to media reports and the book Elusive Shadows, Justice Media and Socially Significant American Trials, his face was completely covered in blood except where tears had washed the blood away. Mm. Taken to a hospital in nearby Fort Collins, Colorado, Shepard remained in a coma for several days before he died of severe brainstem damage, which shut down his internal organs and his heart. He had fractures to the front and back of his head and numerous lacerations on his upper body from being pistol whipped. Okay, remember what we said about the pounds of pressure that it causes, like, that is required for a fucking pistol whip to mm-hmm. break a bone and mm-hmm. create those kinds of things, because we talked about it in Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the murder was so shocking that a candlelight vigil sprang up, not just in Laramie, but larger city like San Francisco and New York, and Shepard's mother, Judy, became a champion of hate crime legislation. Because there was no hate crime law, nationally or in Wyoming at the time, neither of the killers could be charged with one, even though... 
One of them had admitted to his girlfriend that the attack was, in fact, spurred by homophobia. So, to the gentleman that made the comment on a listener's page, if you're listening, and you fucking should be, um, you can tell your friend that I politely advised him to insert his fucking opinion and his head far up an ass, preferably his own, Mm -hmm. because one of the killers, in fact, said it wasn't fucking drug-related, It was, in fact, a homophobia-spurred crime. Both Henderson and McKinney asked their girlfriends to offer them alibis. On trial, McKinney tried to employ a gay panic defense. What the fuck is with the panic defense? A sort of temporary insanity in response to an alleged sexual advance from a much smaller unarmed victim. His girlfriend, however, told prosecutors that the men listen to this, that the two men pretended they were gay to get him into the truck to rob him. That's such fucking Girlfriend shit. ratted you out, bro, because you're a piece of shit and you deserved to be tattled on. Mm-hmm. Henderson made a plea for two consecutive life terms while McKinney was found guilty of felony murder. Shepard's parents interceded on McKinney's behalf, saving him from the death penalty. The victim's mom and dad saved him from the death penalty. Let that sink in. His father, Dennis, told the LA Times that life in prison showed mercy to someone who refused to show any mercy for his son. McKinney also received two life terms without possibility of parole. Well, fuck this. Here we go on another one of Angel's fucking rants about people that deserve to be burned in hell for all of an eternity. While Fred Phelps, the leader of the Westboro Baptist Church in Kansas, picketed Shepherd she- Ooh, fuck, I'm stuttering. Picketed Shepherd Shepherd's funeral with signs that read Fag Matt in Hell and No Tears for Queers. Dude. Yep. Fuck all of you. Like, that's Uh, all. I'm just going to stop. That's all I'm going to say. The murder. Hold, please. Fucking. And then, you know, what's really fucking funny is that when Fred Phelps died, the Westboro Baptist Church had the fucking nerve to ask people not to picket his funeral out of respect for him. Nobody has respect for you because you have no respect for anybody. Fuck you. you. <clears throat> okay, sorry. Have All you right. listened to the Joe Rogan episode oh, of with that girl? Uh-huh. Megan Ro- Felper? Mm. Or Felper? It's Megan Phelps Roper, yes. the granddaughter. Yeah, yep. I have. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. Joe it's Rogan a good experience. episode. It is really good. Okay. <sighs> While Fred Phelps, the leader of the Westboro Baptist Church in Kansas, picketed Shepherd's funeral with signs that read, Fag Matt in Hell and No Tears for Queers, The murder led to a sea change in how the public, from Hollywood to Peoria, viewed gay people as well as the need for sexual orientation, gender identity, hate crime protections. Our nation and our president at the time was primed for dealing with this issue that was no longer ignored, says Renna. It was 1998, just as the nation was having more and better national conversations about LGBT people. Ellen had just come out, our organizations were growing, and the internet was becoming a powerful force for connection and action. Judy Shepard wrote a book in 2009, The Meaning of Matthew, My Son's Murder in Laramie and a World Transformed. And she be... Ugh. 
sorry, she became one of the most visible activists pressing for change. A decade after Matthew's murder in October 2009, the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act passed Congress and was signed into law by President Barack Obama. The first federal legislation to include LGBT people was just one of the changes that came from Shepard's murder. Numerous activists recorded songs about Shepard and his murder, including Elton John, Trivium, Tori Amos, and Melissa Etheridge, and The Laramie Project, a play that became an HBO film, and The Reaction of the Town has been performed in hundreds of locals around the globe. The Laramie Project... The Laramie Project and the work of Shepherd Foundation and Judy Shepherd's relentless speaking out have been instrumental in creating the foundation upon which we stand in speaking about LGBTQ youth issues and was <clears throat> issues in general, Renna says. As someone who went to Laramie days after his body was discovered, was in Laramie when he died, sat through plea bargain hearing of Russell Henderson and the trial of Aaron McKinney, worked with Tectonic Theater Project and HBO on countless performances and screenings of the Laramie Project, worked on the epilogue, recently completed, and serve on the advisory board of the Shepherd Foundation. There is no other issue that has more profoundly affected my life and the way I do my work today. It has informed my work and changed my life. Judy and Dennis Shepard's work and commitment are the inspiration to me and offer me a model for how to live my life as an activist and a parent. I don't like it. There are many things I don't like. We should probably do an episode on the Westboro Baptist Church one day. Oh my Did you know? God. So there was actually a group of individuals that made angel wings, like great big, huge on like PVC mm-hmm. pipe, so that when they stood shoulder to shoulder, it would actually block the view of assholes that were protesting the funeral so that his parents could actually have a funeral and mourn in peace. Thank you to those people who did that. Do you know what I have an intolerance for is people like the Westboro Baptists that have an intolerance for everything and think that it's their right and their position to go protest things that they don't believe in. I hate that. I fucking hate it. There is something deeply, deeply fucking wrong with the founders and the followers of the Westboro Baptist Church. The unfortunate thing is that these people genuinely feel like they are showing love and doing Mm -hmm. the right thing for people when they pick it with signs like that that say God hates fags or no tears for queers. And that's why that Joe Rogan episode was so good because they explain, she explains why Why they they, are, yeah, and they don't think they're being assholes. That is how they are raised. That is how they are brought up to believe that they are helping these people. This isn't a hate thing to them. This This is is help and love. And it's totally fucked up. And and it's it's really, really sad for the young lady, Megan, who was the granddaughter of Fred Phelps. Um, She even got a little choked up as she was talking about it because she understands that it's wrong. She understands that the Westboro Baptist Church is off their motherfucking rocker. But can you imagine as a grown adult finding out that everything you ever knew, everything you were ever taught, your every everything that you'd ever been indoctrinated with was fucked up and wrong Mm -hmm. and like trying to unprogram yourself at 19 years old, like trying to unprogram your fucking self. Oh, it's no wonder that kids that leave 
like hardcore religious fanatical families or leave like the FLDS. Mm-hmm. When these kids left Colorado City, they were under the impression that homeboy, what's his fucking name? Warren Jeffs. Thank you. Warren Jeffs was the president of the United States. And then they're like, like, whoa. What the fuck? Like they get out. So they take these kids, okay? They're like, pull them out of Colorado City and they either take them to like Vegas or they take them to St. George, like equal distance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they're taking them to these fucking places and they're like, okay, this is like the real world. And first and foremost, the FLDS are told that black people have been marked. They are cursed with the mark of Cain. Mm-hmm. So when they get out of there and they're like, President Barack Obama, shmi, 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 and they see a black gentleman, is the, and they're like, no fucking way. No way is that cursed person. And that is not the words that they used. However, they were like, that person of color is not the president. Warren Jeffs is the president. You're like, yo. We have a lot to fucking cover in a very short amount of time before we set you loose in sit, public. Sit down, get fuck. your coffee, get a comfy spot, because we're going to be here for a while. This shit is going to... I wish Bring you could snack. do it like the Matrix and just plug them in and download shit for them. Uh-huh. And be like, this is what it really is. We or need like, to reprogram it, you. Right? Or do it like uh, the fifth element, where she mm-hmm. like sits and fucking gets all of her information. But she would probably... Like, people would probably have their fucking brains explode, considering what they were taught and what they, finger quote, know, mm-hmm. versus what is reality. Sorry, that was completely off. Well, it wasn't totally off topic, but completely. Yeah. So people from Westboro Baptist Church genuinely think that they are showing you some. uh, Just go listen to the Joe Rogan episode. Look for Melgan, Melgan, Megan Phelps Roper. I wish I could remember around what number, what hundreds it is. I will actually find it really quick. I feel like it's in the 700s, but I'm not sure. Um, I actually think that it is, too, because it's not far off from the Mount Everest. Uh, Yeah. That was in the 900s. Hold, please. Uh, There was a while where I knew all the episodes. I haven't listened for... I I haven't listened since it's you know what, dude? It's hard to listen to all of your podcasts when you are a podcaster. Yep. Um, 974. Megan Phelps Roper. I was right with a seven. (laughs) 974. Megan Phelps Roper. Go listen to that shit on the Joe Rogan experience. That is one of the things I genuinely love about that person. Joe. That person. That person. That person also has a motherfucking name. That Joe. He has such an insane variety of guests. I genuinely love it because there are episodes that I intentionally passed over because i thought oh it's one of those mma guys it's some fucking meathead talking about fights and it's not that i don't love the mma because you know i do oh, yeah but i was like what could that person possibly have to discuss for three fucking hours that i'm going to be into because i like watching the fights but when they start talking about like tactical shit and you like, tune it out the, like, like the meat and taters of fighting my brain doesn't want to and then i went and listened to one of the episodes uh tate uh I'm drawing a blank on Homeboy's last name. That episode, mm-hmm. is I know which one you're talking fucking about. Awesome, and thanks to Spencer because he was the one that was like, "Dude, did you go listen to this episode?" I'm like, "I have not." He's like, "Do me a favor," because I realize he's like, "I know exactly why you're not listening to it," and it's a fucking bomb episode. And I was like, "All right," went listen to it. Holy shit, smart motherfuckers. And the thing that I love about Joe Rogan too is that. 
he researches everything. He does an episode a fucking day that is like three hours long. And he researches every subject that he talks about. He has such a wide variety of things, knowledge, that I'm like, you're just supposed to be a stupid comedian. He is a smart motherfucker. And he's not like set in one way either. No. One of my favorite things come from him. I've said it a million times before, but... um, when he says that this is my opinion, but you can change it with facts and, you know. That's one of the things when he was like, he was joking with somebody and I actually took this phrase from him. Oh, you with your fucking facts and logic because he is an open-minded motherfucker. Yes. And when he sits down with somebody, he might not, excuse me, <gasps> I have a coffee bubble stuck. <laughs> uh, he was like, you know, I might not necessarily agree with everything that you have to offer, It doesn't make sense to me. So present me with something to change my mind. Not an opinion. You've got to show me what, yeah, show me on the map where it fucking makes sense. And he does. This person was like, shmee, 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 shmee. And he's like, oh, you with your facts and logic. Mm -hmm. But he was like, I have an opinion. If you can persuade me otherwise with information, actual information, please do so. Yep. It's fucking awesome. Anyway, back at the ranch. Love him. All right, we can go to the next story, which is the Two-Spirit Tragedy. And this one is actually very close. Like, when you tell the story, it's very close to us, actually. It is, Mm -hmm. because it's in Cortez, Colorado. Hop, skip, and a jumper away. In 2001, Fred, Frederica C. Martinez Jr., a 16-year-old transgender or Two-Spirit teen who loved Beyonce so much that he often went by her name, traveled to the Ute Mountain Roundup Rodeo. Five days later, he was found dead in a sewer pond in Rocky Canyon, an area the local teens call the pits. His body decomposed and bludgeoned beyond recognition. Unlike with the Shepherd murder, police and media attention was low at first. Martinez's mother, Pauline Mitchell, had called to report Martinez missing several times, but police didn't return her calls until until nearly 10 days after he disappeared. Fred Martinez was a Native American two-spirited or Nadlihi, what the Navajo called male-bodied called a male body person with a feminine nature. He felt like a boy who was also a girl, a third gender that was both male and female. His family was accepting and Martinez often dressed in feminine garb, a signature girl's headband keeping wispy bangs out of his eyes. By all accounts from teachers, counselors, and friends, he was a healthy, happy, well-adjusted freshman at Montezuma Cortez High School. But after the rodeo that night, Martinez met an 18-year-old named Sean Murphy at a party and accepted a ride from Murphy and his and one of his friends. The two dropped Martinez off, but he and Murphy met again later, and the reason has never been fully explained. Murphy later bragged that he had beat up a fag. Quote, fuck you. See, that's when you're not allowed. No. Where's the spray <clears throat> bottle? No. no. <laughs> At the time, Martinez was the youngest person to die of a hate crime in the U.S. In the US. Murphy was later arrested and charged with second-degree murder, but both Mitchell and many victim advocates argued the local police should have investigated sooner and informed Mitchell of developments in the case. She reportedly read her child's autopsy results in the local newspaper. It was 
the first she knew of the extent of his injuries, which included a slashed stomach, a fractured skull, and wounds to his wrists, and that he died from exposure and blunt trauma. Mm -hmm. I can't fucking imagine reading that in a newspaper. I know. Ugh. Murphy could not be charged with hate crimes because at the time, Colorado's hate crime statutes did not cover crimes based on gender identity or expression. He pled guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 40 years on June 4th, 2002. 2002, and it's still not recognized. Ironically, Murphy's mother, an out lesbian, claimed the 18-year-old wasn't homophobic before leaving the courthouse in tears. Uh, Mitchell put photos of Martinez in both male and female dress on his coffin at the funeral, and her unconditional acceptance and fierce love inspired many to rally around her. Fred's death had an indescribable impact on his family, of course, says Renna, but has also changed the local school police and the rest of the community. The school now has policies related to bullying based on sexual orientation, and last I heard, a GSA. The biggest change is the increased in attention, increased attention to LGBT youth issues in general, not just hate crimes, but bullying, suicide, and family acceptance and rejection of youth coming out. That was the quote. Rena points to the unprecedented surge in exhaustive media coverage of transgender and gender nonconforming children, says Rena. This is a quote again. That is informed by the conversations about Fred and the concept of two-spirited people in the Native American culture that gave us this deeply nuanced and spiritual way of looking at gender and sexual diversity. As someone who works on these issues every day, it has been deeply moving to see the lives of these children and youth spoken about and covered with compassion and accuracy. Martinez was further memorialized in the documentary Two Spirits, a film a decade in the making that aired in 90% of the country and broke PBS viewing records, and it has a special screening attended by over 50,000 people in 100 cities nationwide. In just 19 days, 5,000 people commented on the film and over 2, 2 million read about it on Facebook. The film, which introduces the two-spirit concept to thousands of people who had no awareness of Native traditions around gender, is also up for a GLAAD award this year. It's G-L-A-A-D. Yes. I'm sure that's pronounced GLAAD, but... It is. <laughs> I, you never know with us. <laughs> Fred and Pauline's stories have moved the hearts and minds of thousands, and I have seen firsthand the impact of this film, Brenna says. The way the First Nations and Native American LGBT slash two-spirit communities embrace this film is, to those, of us un uh, to those of us involved, a powerful affirmation of all of the hard work it took to bring Fred's story to the screen. <sighs> God damn. Yes. So the next story um, that we're going to talk about is 15-year-old Sakia Gunn wasn't unlike a lot of local teens. She loved to play baseball, got good grades, dreamed of playing in the WNBA, and spent time hanging out with friends. But Gunn, a junior at Newark's, Newark, New Jersey's West Side High School, also identified as an aggressive or AG. 
a gay butch woman of color who dresses in masculine clothing but doesn't really identify as transgender or lesbian. Her girlfriend, Jai, was a femme. Short little joke. The last time, not the last time, but one of the last times that we all took photos and we were all like hanging out mm-hmm. and I can't remember who it was, but like they were taking the picture and they're all, okay, boy, girl, boy, girl. And it was literally a bunch of females, women. I say women. People get upset. Like I've seen it on Twitter. Like people yeah. get all upset that we use female. I think it's like a regional thing. Anyway, it was a bunch of women and half of them were gay and I can't remember who said it, but she looked at it and she goes, don't you mean butch femme, butch femme? And I started <laughs> fucking laughing because she was like, okay, boy, girl, boy, girl. And she's like, don't you mean butch femme, butch femme? And I just started like fucking giggling. I was like, <laughs> yay. <clears throat> it was like two, two guys in that group that were going to be photographed and they were both gay too. So I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> don't you mean butch femme, butch femme? We don't really know how to do this. I know. We all just looked at each other like, did she just say boy, girl, boy, girl? Like there was fucking more than one of you guys. <laughs> so I was unfamiliar before reading the story what an AG was. I, did not. I, I was going to say the same thing. I just learned something new. Yes, I did not know. And I don't even know if that is still the correct way to identify that way. I don't know. Somebody, somebody in that community tell me because I don't know. Yep. Anyway, on May 11th, 2003, Gunn and her friends were waiting at a Newark bus stop after visiting New York's Chelsea Piers along the Hudson River, an area where there are apparently scores of young LGBTQ people that gather on the weekends. Two men, two men in a vehicle pulled over and began asking the girls to come to their car. The girls told the men that they weren't interested in their sexual propositions because they were gay. There was a police booth within shouting distance, but like many aging police booths, literally security stands built in the 1960 riots where police officers could sit and look out and monitor neighborhood activity wasn't staffed at night. Newark, a heavily African-American city, is no stranger to violence, but Gunn and her friends walked these roads before and they were only minutes from home. But one of the men in the car, Richard McCullough, didn't like the rejection. According to the Democracy Now!, he jumped out of the vehicle and began choking one of the girls. Gunn and her friend Valencia tried to stop him and Gunn hit McCullough. He turned and stabbed her in the chest before running to the car and fleeing the scene. Jesus Christ. Now, also, just so that you guys are aware, some names of other people have been changing this, including Valencia. Not everybody wanted to be identified in these stories, and rightfully so, because you get stabbed in the fucking chest for shit. Mm-hmm. A passing motorist gave the girls a ride to the hospital. The reports differ. Gunn died in her friend's arm, either en route or shortly after arriving to the hospital. This was on Mother's Day. Gunn's friends created a makeshift memorial where she had been killed. Hundreds of lesbians showed up nightly to pay their respects. Nearly 3,000 people, many of them young queers, attended her funeral. Her death galvanized the local black queer community. And Laquita Nelson used that to mobilize Use that mobilization to start the Newark Pride Alliance. Sakia and her friends didn't mean anybody any harm that night, she told reporters. They were coming back from having fun at the pier in New York, a place where they felt safe to be who they were. Lesbians nationwide, especially butch and masculine women, felt for gun. How many women had turned down sexual advances from men only to face violence? 
Sakia's murderer was in so many ways the one that hit closest to home, says Renna. As a self-identified AG, as a butch lesbian who has not infrequently been in the position she was, having men proposition or taunt a more feminine girlfriend or companion, I saw myself in this 15-year-old African-American youth from Newark. My heart broke when the New York community did not respond the way it did for Matthew Shepard when Newark was a mere path train ride away. I was one of only a small handful of people who were not African American at her funeral and seeing the pain in their faces and seeing the pain in the faces of thousands it pained me to not have the larger LGBT community gather in anger, protest and grief as they did on the streets of Chelsea for Matt. I say this as one who was in Laramie for Matt. Indeed, the media, even the LGBTQ media, have gave guns murder short shift. Professor Kim Pearson from the College of New Jersey did a study comparing media coverage of the gun case to the 1998 murder case of Matthew Shepard using the LexisNexis database. She found out that there were 659 stories in, a ma in major newspapers about Shepard's murder, compared to only 21 articles about guns murder in the seven-month period after their attacks. Pearson also reported that Shepard's killers were arrested and convicted during that period, but it took almost that long for guns killers to even be indicted. One only had to do the math, Rena says, to understand why the lack of interest, poor person of color, gender nonconforming, who cares? Rena says, well, we did. I was at GLAD when we fought for the New York Times and CNN to cover her death, which still haunts me, since I would have reacted in exactly the same way she did in her situation. Meeting another accepting and loving family who could not voice their grief was painful. Some local activists also indicated that the black community of Newark, arguing that homophobia kept the mayor and the black political reader leaders from doing more to help the lgbtq youth and from paying attention to bias murder where both the victim and the perpetrator were black kelly cogswell and anna simo asked in the gully where are the professionally outraged activists like al sharpton who usually appears en masse to hold politicos accountable when young black people are cut down by hate and no one's doing anything after all he didn't let white censorship and racism stand in the way of protesting the murder of Amadou Diallo in New York or Timothy Thomas hundreds of miles away in Cincinnati. The reason why Sakia Gunn was killed and why her murder has faded from the headlines is that both whites and blacks wish young black queers would disappear. Until things change, they will, thanks to violence, AIDS, and hate. As with Shepard and Brandon Tina, Gunn's life was memorialized on a film, Dreams Deferred, the Sakia Gunn Film Project, a powerful documentary that dissects both homophobia that caused this murder and questions that lack the media coverage of her murder. Today, that police booth on the corner where near where Gunn was killed is staffed 24 hours a day, a promise for, former Newark Mayor Sharp James made in 2002. Good. God. Yeah, that's another case that I actually want to cover um, is the Tina Brandon case. Mm. And if people aren't familiar with that one, that is the movie that Hillary Swank mm -hmm. played Brandon Tina in Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. You ever want to fucking cry yourself to sleep over shit? Fuck. Go watch real. that shit. And that is going to be where we leave you guys until next week. Where we have more 
Yes, while we are in the midst of celebrating Pride and hugging our, I almost said big gay friends, because <laughs> don't get, hold please, South Park, big gay owls, big uh, boat ride. I was just saying, big gay owls, big gay, gay sanctuary, yeah. <laughs> big gay animal sanctuary. I that was the it, first episode. That of- was like, if you go to Ted's house, okay, so Ted, and I'm <laughs> going to hold back his last name just in case he doesn't want me to say it out loud. Teddy grew up here in the basin with us, and he actually lives in Florida right now, and he's going to transplant. He's moving all the way up to Seattle. Oh, or, damn. I know. That's this a change. fucking... Teddy's one of my favorite gay people. He has nine chihuahuas. Okay? Big gay Ted's. Big gay Big Ted's. gay animal sanctuary. Big gay chihuahua sanctuary. And nine of these adorable little things, and he puts them in fucking costumes oh. and shit. They're even tattooed on his fucking body, okay? Oh. So oh when it used to be like an ongoing joke about the big gay... Like, it's Big Gay's Big Gay Animal Boat Ride. <laughs> it was fucking funny, so please don't take that the wrong way. So, maybe don't be a bigoted prick. And stay, stay out, out of chalk, chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.